Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. How many know we serve a God that is a God of repetition? In raising children, every mother here could say on how you told your child once, and, and I don't know about your children, maybe it was just the Shemateros, they just didn't get it the first time we said. <coughs> Tell them twice, they didn't get it the second time, amen? Maybe in the, in the Hunter home and maybe in Jack and Lynn, the Roberts home, it was a little bit different, but it sure wasn't that way in mine, amen? Did you ever have kids you had to tell them a dozen times? And at a dozen times, they still didn't get it. So I'm only saying that because what I want to share today is when God repeats something and he says it over and over and over, it's not just that he's looking to take space and he's got nothing else to talk about, but he repeats things that are of very significant importance for your life and for my life. And it says this in Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. Deuteronomy 5, 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that the days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord God gives you. Then in Matthew 15, he says, for God commanded saying, honor your father and your mother and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. Matthew 19, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mark 7, Moses said, honor your father and mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. How many know we would have a population decrease if we actually practice that today? But thank God for the grace of God and the mercy of God. But it does not diminish the importance of that. Very few ever died in Israel because there was a principle that they were taught from a very young age as Hebrew children. They were taught the honor was given to the mother and the father. So when it says, honor your father and mother, just picture this right now, that here's a little child, and the little child's got uh, sitting on mama's lap and on daddy's lap, and the little child is just sitting there. And the dad and mom together are teaching the child the principle of honor. That principle of honor was never meant just for them to honor them. It was meant for that, but it was much, much bigger than that. The parents had the responsibility to teach their child about honor. They had the principle to teach them about getting it in with their other siblings, with the other brothers and sisters. They had the uh, principle of honor to be taught to love your uncles, to love your aunts, to love your grandparents, to love your nanas, to love your papas, and all the others down the road. They had the principle taught to them from a young age to respect and to honor the rabbis that were inside the temple, to respect and honor their families. They had the principles that were taught to them to, uh, to uh, reverence the king and to honor the king. Can you all say amen? 
to honor your boss, to honor your employers. And it, when you get into your own business, to honor those that would serve under you and be in there. This was something that was so ingrained inside of them from a young age that they actually had to get it. And it was one of the major truths that it says nine times in the scriptures. Interesting enough, nine, there was nine appearances of the resurrection of Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection. There's nine appearances before his ascension into heaven. We also see that nine was the number that he gave up the ghost at the cross on the ninth hour, signifying of death to the old and now life in the spirit. We also see nine fruits of the spirit today. So that honor would actually release the fruitful life inside of us, inside of me, and inside of you. I want to speak to you today about why. The Bible teaches us in, in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, he says to honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with the promise, and then he says that things will go well in your life. We already saw the aspect of longevity, and I am totally convinced that we don't like to talk about these here aspects of this in our culture and our society today. And I am not making a blanket statement for this and for every person and every situation that has had. But yet I've seen over my life, and I've only been in this for 41 years in the ministry, but I have seen a dishonoring spirit that comes between uh, with parents and towards parents. Yeah. And I have seen, and I've seen the heartbreak of the parents. I've seen the heartbreak of the other brothers and sisters and family members and friends at that. As recently as a few weeks ago, we had that. And I am not blanketing and again saying it's because of dishonor, this and that, but I can tell you many that I have seen over the years is when it came in. I believe that Rick Shimatero would not be here today if it wasn't for Kathy Shimatero. I'll never forget this 28 years ago, I was at the Eastern Market where my daddy and mommy worked. And Kathy came down over with me, and I'll never forget the statement that transpired that day. And she said this to me. She said, you don't love your mom. She said, you don't honor her. I see it in your tones. I see it in your expressions. And I said, what do you mean I don't love her? And Kathy said that to me. We had to talk about it after we had left in the car. And she said, it just comes across in your demeanor. She said, with your dad, he's your hero. I can see how you honor dad. I can see how you love your dad. But he said, Rick, there's something with you and your mom. I, I, I just get around it and I can feel it. That was the beginning of a blind spot that was inside of my life that actually came from childhood. I'm not going to get into all that there. But when mama got pregnant, she didn't want me. And so there was a time of gestation. There should be a connection. There was actually a disconnect, but it carried on. And then everything that the enemy wants to seed into our heads, come on now, about how they treat Anthony, how they treat Grace, and how they treat this one. And I always felt like I was the reject with inside of the family. But that day, it was a sobering moment for me. I had a choice to make. Am I going to stay that way and continue to operate that way, or am I going to make a change? And Kathy's here that can witness this here from that day to the day that Mama went home. And even now, I love my mom. Can you all say amen? And I honored my mom, and I respected her. 
And uh, she's a hero in many ways to me because uh, when she had cancer and they gave her no hope and she was on her dying bed and I'll never forget going into the home that they had put her in. It was like her last leg that she's there and Kathy was with me that day and I couldn't handle it. I mean, I, I'm just seeing her and she's like weak. I'm seeing her like frail. I'm seeing her like on her last breath and I had to walk out of the room. Kathy stayed in there. Even when she had dementia at the end, I'll, I'll never forget this, she didn't remember me. She'd call me Jim Vitale. She'd call me all these different names. And she'd go to Kathy and say, who's that with you, Kathy? And uh, it's like, oh, that's your son, okay? But uh, listen to this here. She never forgot Kathy. To the day she, I'm, I'm telling she never forgot, Kathy, am I telling? She never forgot Kathy. She forgot my brother, forgot my sister, forgot me. Didn't know who my dad was, but she knew who this was, Amen. And so anyway, and I believe that there was a principle of honor that she always had and always exemplified by both of them to my mom and dad. And I so appreciate that sobering moment inside my life because I said, if that's happening in me and I don't deal with this here issue in my life, then it's going to affect my kids. Can you all say amen? So anyway, so we want to go today. Why is it that God says that number one is that we can live a long life? Amen. How many want to live a long life? But I don't want to live a long life without my mind. I don't want to live a long life without a healthy body. I don't want to live a long life with that. And the Bible says when we dishonor even one another in the body, the Bible says that many are sick and many are weak and many are even dying prematurely because we don't honor the body. Well, how many know as families we're a part of the body of Christ here? And so what I recognize in the second promise is this here is that things will go well with you. And if you look up that word well, it's amazing. It means that things would be successful for you, that your life would have the upper hand, that you would actually be of supreme quality before God. It speaks about that you would have the favor of God upon your life. It speaks about that you would have a sound mind. It speaks about that you would have health even in your body. It speaks about all the benefits that Calvary brings, but it's all released upon the principle of honor. How many can say, I want that inside of my life? How many want that for your children? Come on. How many want that for your grandchildren, that things would go well inside of their life? Well, the Bible speaks about when this honor is an operation, that it does exactly that. Where I want to take you today at WCF today and keep tying it into Mother's Day is I want to bring out four biblical examples of men actually that operated in honor. And I'm going to tie that into the female also in each one of those there things. There was a man that was on the council and in the book of Mark 15 and his name was Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph means Jehovah shall add or the Lord shall add unto you. Okay, and it's within the proximation as such of being fruitful and living an abundant life. And we see with the first Joseph that I want to share with is one that I don't believe I've ever shared here before, and it's on Joseph of Arimathea. And when I looked it up, it was very, very amazing to me. It says that Joseph was an honorable man in the council that he had served in. And we could see something about him, not only in his profession, but actually in his DNA, in his character, that this Joseph of Arimathea was a very honorable man. How many know that he was entrusted, and it's interesting that it says about this Joseph, not only was he in the council, but he was also a rich man. 
And Joseph was the one that came for the body of Jesus, come on, to the high priest. And he actually talked with them. And he actually was able to secure and he gave his tomb that he had had to Jesus. Because it said that prophetically from the prophets that Jesus would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Well, that rich man was Joseph of Arimathea. So we can apparently see that things inside of his life had gone well. We can see that God wasn't against the riches that he had, but God was the one that gave him because he was an honorable man in every area of his relationships, and he had a reputation that he was an honorable man. How many want a reputation that you're an honorable man? Come on now. An honorable woman. Can you all say amen? And we can see from Proverbs 31 about the honorable wife over there from the Proverbs 31 woman called the virtuous woman, and the number one characteristic that permeated through everything she did was she was honorable. And she was honorable even in all of the relationships in the business world with her husband, with her children. She had that principle of honor established. We also see second thing about Joseph of Arimathea. It says he was connected with Nicodemus. And I believe this with everything in me. Honorable people connect and gravitate towards other honorable people. And so the two of them connected, and Nicodemus was very respected amongst the Jewish Sanhedrin also. And he was also a man that came to Jesus at night, and we have the whole revelation of the new birth that was born in there. Nicodemus said, can I go back to my mother's womb even when I'm old? And then Jesus gave him the whole discourse about except a man be born again or born from above, he cannot enter the kingdom of God in John chapter 3. We also see that he was giving from the place that he actually gave his tomb to them, to Jesus, when he had passed away. So we could see the principle of honor was very inbred and very established inside of him, even from a childhood. The second one that I'd like to share about for just a moment is one that many of us would be quite familiar with, and his name was Joseph, the one that actually was a spouse to Mary. And how many know when he was a spouse to Mary, the scriptures actually teach us about him that when he found out that she was pregnant. Now you take a town back then, anywhere from about 200 people to about 500, and a young girl gets pregnant. And she's a spouse to Joe. Come on now. Uh, How many know uh, the Holy Spirit came upon me? Uh, How many know that ain't going to fly over very well? So we're not going to go into the whole aspect of what happened But the response of the man, Joseph, was huge to us. And here she is now, found with child of the Holy Ghost. Here she is pregnant. They're not married yet, okay? They're they're engaged, they're ready. But here she is, and the Bible says he did not want her shamed. So he wanted to do it privately, to remove from her, to get her away privately, because he did not want to shame her. We could see something uh, afterwards. We see that the Holy Spirit came and visited him, and he took her as his wife, as the angel had warned him and told him, take her as your wife, for that child that is inside is that of the Holy Spirit. And we can see that, the virgin birth. He never touched her, never had relationships with her till after Jesus was born. And then afterwards, how many know they did have children? The Bible speaks about the sons, James, Josie, Simeon, and Simon. speaks about the four sons, and it says even the sisters are here amongst us. I'm not going to develop the whole theological standpoint of that today, but we do know that they did have children and moved on with life, and Jesus had brothers, James and Judah. Judah were two that actually wrote books in the New Testament today that were the brothers from the offspring 
of Mary and Joseph afterwards. That's another whole message that we don't have time to develop. The point I want to bring out about this Joseph is he had a visitation from God and there was an open heaven around him because of the honor that he had operated in. The angel came and warned him and said, listen, Joseph, get up, take Mary with you and the child and get into Egypt because Herod's going to kill all the children. Move out immediately, get out. So the angel of the Lord warned him that night. How many uh, are believing for the supernatural? How many believing for the miraculous? How many are believing God to speak to us in visions and dreams? Well, is it possible that God wants to speak maybe more to my life and to your life, but we need to develop this honor thing? Can you all say amen? And so we see that. And then years later, we can see after he was there, he said, I called my son out of Egypt, fulfilling what the prophet had said from the Old Testament. And we saw that Jesus now came back and he set up in the Galilee where they were raised Jesus. So I say all that because there was visitation, there was dreams, there was angelic and a clear leading of God's spirit inside of their life because he had operated in the principle of honor. All the references we have on both Joseph of Arimathea and Joseph, right there, that was the stepfather, if you want to call it, of Jesus, were all positive. Everybody say positive. The third one that I want to talk about very briefly today is the one that we know as Joseph, and he was a Cypriot from the island of Cyprus. In the book of Acts chapter 4, the last two verses, you'll see that Joseph was a Cypriot, and he was a real estate broker, but he was also very prophetic and even apostolic. And we saw him that, that he was a real estate broker, and he actually brought a large sum of money in from a piece of real estate that he had sold, and he brought it and laid it down at the foot of the disciples. There was incredible rejoicing that had gone on, and Peter received that there and welcomed that. And the story of Ananias and Sapphirias came directly afterwards because of what Joseph had done. And so what transpired, and to make a long story short over there, the disciples actually named him the son of encouragement. He was nicknamed Barnabas. Barnabas, Abbas, lean son of. Okay, son of the father. Bas speaks of encouragement. So we see that the son of encouragement was Barnabas. And Barnabas was an incredible leader in the New Testament church. He was known as encouragement. He was the one that was known to affirm the disciples that were first called Christians. He was the one that mentored the apostle Paul. He had, of all the other of disciples, the one that had the greatest impact upon the apostle Paul's life was none other than Barnabas. Can you all say amen? He worked with him, and you can read this all the way through the scriptures. You can read this after Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. He went out and preached with great zeal and great passion, and he came to join himself to the church that was at Jerusalem that James, that was the stepbrother of Jesus that actually came in, that they actually wanted him, okay? He was the pastor, and Paul wanted to join the church in Jerusalem. You'll find this in Acts chapter 9, but there was two problems that they had. The two problems was, number one, they didn't trust him. They thought that he was just a con man that was trying to get into the church world. And the second thing is what they were afraid of this here guy because in his past he had arrested the Christians, would literally bring them into the marketplaces of the city, strip them down, tie a beating on them, and bring the families out to recant their faith. 
Many of them died, and it was all at the hands of Paul. As a matter of fact, in Acts 8, you can see the first martyr of the church in his name. Okay, it's all listed right over there. And we see the first martyr of the church was consented. Stephen was consented by the apostle Paul that laid his cloak down. And that means he gave consent to kill this here man. So we see all this here brought out in the scripture. But the one that had an incredible impact upon his life, the apostle Paul, was Barnabas. So here they now are at the Jerusalem church, and he wants to get involved. He wants to be a part of what God's doing. And they didn't trust him. They didn't believe he was the real deal. And they were afraid of him. But Barnabas stuck up to the plate. Come on now. The son of encouragement steps up. And he said, listen, I know the man. I've worked with this here man He's the real deal. And on his endorsement, the church embraced him and allowed him in to the church at Jerusalem. And then from that time on, the rest is history. They worked together. They tried to put a hit on Paul. They hired the Sicilians to come and take him out. No, it was the Grecians, actually. And, and so seriously, and they put him down the wall. But that was after the apostle Paul was accepted into the church world. And we can see the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We see also that because of that there, there was peace amongst the regions. There was peace. And what happened? The atmosphere for the gospel to go out was sanctified because of the love of the brethren and the honor of the brethren that was working together. And two entire cities at the end of Acts 9, Lydia and Cyrus, both came to Jesus, 100% of the population. Now, why am I saying all that? Because he was an honorable man. He was honorable to the new Christians entrusted with the responsibility of teaching the new Christians along with Paul the right ways of God. They brought incredible revelation to you and I in the epistles today. And I'd like to turn up right over here in the book of Romans chapter 12 while we're speaking. So Barnabas' influence was that of honor, but he taught that to the apostle Paul. He mentored that to the apostle Paul because prior to that, Paul was very religious and very self-centered and was all about him. But after he had the relationship, how many know Barnabas was the one that was entrusted with mentoring him? Three people know that. All I can say, put up there if you can. Give me Romans chapter 12, verse number 9. Because the context of what I'm reading right now is the body of Christ is you and I working together. Us working together inside of our marriages. How many know marriages take work today? Raising children takes works today. Come on. How many know mother's job is not easy? Dad's job's not easy? How many know leadership's job is not easy? But it all takes works to effort, but we got to have this here. So this is from the individual Barnabas' influence on Paul. And look what happens over here years later now. He said, come on, everybody read it with me. Don't just pretend to love others. What does he say? Come on, really love them. How many know there's a difference between saying we love one another and really loving one another? And he says, hate what is wrong. Come on. Hold tightly to what is good. Now look at this next verse because I want you to get a hold of this and embed it in your mind. Love each other with what? Come on. Genuine affection. Then he says something. What does he say? Come on. And take delight in what? Honoring each other. Have you ever wondered about what the writer just said over there, the apostle Paul? Take delight. Be glad-hearted. Be ecstatic. Be exuberant. Be passionate about what? Delight and honoring one another today. How many believe that if we would do that in our homes, we would do that in our families, we would do that in the marketplace, we would even do that in the nation? How many know we can make a difference from that standpoint? But I've also known and have recognized that it's a dishonoring spirit that disconnects. 
If you have an employer, okay, or you have an employee that's operating in dishonor, how many know that it's always going to disconnect? Let me bring it where we can all relate. How many know our prime minister's name is Justin Trudeau? How many know there's policies that I have seen that I'm not in necessary agreement with? The Bible says I'm to honor the king. So although I might disagree with the policies, and I am not here in any way endorsing, but I still have a a responsibility to honor the king. Let me just bring it in because I don't uh, agree with a lot of things that are going on. And I can tell you right now, when I make this here statements, people might get bent out of shape. But you need to research and look at your heart. I'm speaking of the principle of honor. When a mother is, says, honor your father and mother, it didn't say because they deserved it or earned it. I'll say it again. It didn't say because they deserved it or earned it. It said it's a principle that we operate in. I'm going to leave the one because I, I just sense it could probably uh, just uh, put a damper on some people's day, so I'm, I'm not even going to go there right now. But just think about this here. This principle of honor goes with all of our kids. And if they see a mom dishonoring the dad or a dad dishonoring the mom, those kids will learn that behavior. The pattern will be there, and things will not go well for the kids. There's nothing more in a, in a parent's heart and a mom's heart is to see their children succeed, is to see their children, that things would go well. It's part of our DNA. It's part of the lineage. But we also have to understand that it's this principle of honor that is going to release that for the generations to come so that they can rise up in faith. Are you all there? So the last one that I want to speak. So how many can say Joseph of Arimathea? Come on. Joseph and Mary. It's amazing, uh, they're, they're doing a funeral service right now, a whole part of the family, Mary Bethlehem, and when R.G. went to Mary and asked for her hand, I had the opportunity to meet the, uh, the in-laws, his in-laws over there, and he says, hi, my name is Joe, okay, and this is my wife, Mary. Well, Mary was already coming to our church, come on. So I met Joe, and guess what? They were in Bethlehem. So Joe and Mary from Bethlehem, all right? So we'll leave the rest of that for another day, all right? So anyway, so I only state this here because we see the honor that he operated in, both of those there men, and then we saw the honor that Barnabas had operated, the son of encouragement, who was Joseph of Cyprus. The last one that I want to share with, and then I want to tie this whole message in together. The last one's name is very, very important to all of us, and he's probably the most familiar one that people are today in the Bible, and his name is Joseph of Egypt. And Joseph in Egypt that we know, okay, was not born in Egypt in any way. We know that he became the number two in command under the king Pharaoh afterwards. But we saw that he was the uh, last of the sons with Rachel and Israel. And we saw that when he was born, he had special favor with his dad. Dad loved all the kids, but there was a special favor it just seemed with with Joseph. And the Bible teaches us about him that Joseph, when he was probably young, He would come to daddy and mommy and they would sit him on his knees and just begin to instruct him and just teach him about the principles of honor and about honoring those that are your authorities, about honoring your brothers and your sisters that are here within the relationship, about honoring your mother. This was very, very huge inside of him. And he says, and Joseph, when you go in to the synagogues, he says, I want you to honor the rabbis that are there. I want you to honor their families. I want this to be there. And Joseph, when you're in the marketplace, And we want to see you succeed as our offspring. But you need to honor the one that you're under, the authority that's over you. Come on now.
And we see this train inside of him into every sphere of the society that Joseph had gotten into. And now here it is, things change and things go, and his brothers all had a dishonoring spirit. Come on, you can read it in the Bible. You can read this all the way in Genesis 38, all the way through where that dishonoring began to manifest himself. And then what happened was they actually took the brother Joseph who they thought was the favored, and what did they do? They lied to their dad, said that a wild animal had killed them, okay? When in the meantime, they actually sold him into slavery. So here he is now, and he's now in slavery. He's now in there. He goes on the market block, and actually a, a military man, and his name, uh, his name over there, Potiphar, actually purchases him from the slave market and brings him into his house. But he sees there's a characteristic on this young man who, by the way, was 17 years old when this happened. And he sees that this man understood honor. And that honor brought him promotion and brought him favor. And actually his whole household was blessed because of the honor that was on Joseph. So Joseph goes into Potiphar's house and he serves him just as his daddy and just as his mommy had told him. And he serves this here, this here leader of the military. He serves him with 100% heart. Come on. And honors him. And the Bible says he prospered in his sight. He had favor in his sight. And the only thing it teaches us because he honored him. Come on, I'm doing good. And then we see a little bit later, his wife, Potiphar's wife, wanted to dishonor her husband. And Joseph said, I ain't going there because daddy taught me I'm not going to dishonor God and I'm not going to dishonor this man, this man that I serve by taking his wife. So it's because he had honor and then he gets thrown into prison and accused as a as a sex offender raping his wife that he never raped. And yet he still honored the guard because the Bible said he had promotion everywhere. All the definitions that I gave you, things will go well, is all part of this here and it's all directly related to the principle of honor. And I'm going to tell you something. You hear individuals today and you see things today that go on where people are just slandering Justin, are slandering Trump, are slandering this here, and they're idiots, and they're idiots, and they're jerks, and they're all these here things. I'm going to tell you something. Whether they're right, whether they're wrong is not what it's all about. It's about honor. Come on. And sometimes the things that we accuse other of is the thing that we have to deal with inside of our own hearts. And others are saying, did he just say that? I've learned in life, I've learned in life that honor is huge. I've learned in life how important it is to honor Kathy. And if you think, if you think we got it easy, you think we just got the, a bed of roses and everything we do, forget about it. Can you say amen? But we still have chose to honor one another. We have chose to honor our children. An example of that is years ago, our children came to us and said, Dad, Mom, uh, you know, we'd have our family meetings, and they said, we really, uh, you know, you bring people over every holiday, and we know that you're bringing widows, we know that you're bringing people that don't have a place to go, but you bring them over to the house. And every time you bring all those people from the church over, you never spend time with us. All you're spending is time with the church people. And inside, I'm saying, you selfish little brats. Don't you understand? This is how, you know, inside. 
And then I'm looking and I'm saying, you know, the kids are saying, Daddy, we want to be with you. Mom, we want to be with you. And what we're saying is we need this from you first and foremost, but you're putting the church people before us. That was a sobering moment inside of our lives. And Kathy and I made a decision that day that we're, we're, we're going to stop that. If we want to have people at our house, we can have another time. Come on and invite them all over. But family times are going to be for family times. That decision, I believe, was huge in the kids because we honored what they were sharing. And sometimes parents are so strong and so bullheaded that they don't want to bend in any way or they'll actually say what I thought. Come on. And just say, well, this is the way it's going to be in this. It's our highway or the byway there. And sometimes we can drive the most precious things out of the home. Amen? In that area. But that was a dishonoring. Uh, they, what they were saying is, Dad, Mom, we honor you, but we feel devalued over here. So we made that adjustment, and it turned out good. The kids are tracking with God. How many can say that's a good thing today? So I want to summarize everything that I've said today. How many want things to go well for your life? How many want things to go well for your children? I believe that's the heartbeat of every dad and mom. I believe there's mothers that are here today, even single moms. We honor you today that you had that child, you had that life, and you're here now, uh, and, and maybe you feel all alone on this here day. I'll tell you, you're not alone. We love you, and we value you, amen? And we're honored that you're here with us in church. There's a couple things that I want to do. This is what that word well means. Everybody say well. It means not only will he preserve your life, not only will he make it lasting, not only will he keep it safe, not only he says it's going to be with the promise, that means an assurance, an expectation, an indication that things are going to go well. I looked up that word well over there, and it speaks of supernatural expansion of things. It speaks about influence of things. It speaks about the blessings of God, the favor of God upon your life. It speaks about that even you will be in an overflow. That means you're going to be running over, filled to the full with great measure, flowing over the banks, flowing over the edges. There'll be excess in your life. There'll be super abundance in your life. But just the opposite of that, dishonor will bring lack. It will bring shortage in there. It will stop the flow in the windows of heaven. The word well also means that your life is going to be now beneficial. It's going to be useful. You're going to be made cheerful. You're going to be of a good spirit. You're going to be contented in life. You're going to be beautiful. Tell your neighbor, beautiful. All because of the principle of honor and operation inside of our lives. As we go now to the communion table, I want to just read a verse to you. It says over there, for I pass on to you what I received. And the ushers are going to make sure that you get those elements right now. I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in peace and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament, the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirming with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should, everybody say together, examine. Yeah. 
What does it mean to examine? If you go into a doctor and that doctor is giving an examination in there, he's checking out your heart rate, he's checking out your blood pressure, he's examining the things that are going on inside of our life. Examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup, now listen to what the writer says. If you want to put it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm in verse number 29 right now. It says, for if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ. Everybody smile at your neighbor and say, you're that body. Look on the other side and say, you're that body. How many know we're the body of Christ? Let me just state it. Parkwood's the body of Christ. Lakeshore, our brother's the body of Christ. The gathering's the body of Christ. Let me just go another step. It's not my job to judge all the other churches of whether they're the body of Christ, that they have the cross of the Son of God over their house and they believe that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. How many know we have the body of Christ? And listen, the enemy is no respecter against persons today. It's the cross that is the thing that the devil hates the very most. And listen, you take the cross out, that is where our unity is, that's where our love is, and that's where our honor needs to be for people of the cross today. Amen? So it says over there, it says, if you eat the bread and you drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, it says you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And then the writer says, that is why many are weak and sick and some have even died. Context prematurely. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not judge, be judged by God in this here way. Let's all stand to our feet right now. Amen. How many say, Pastor Rick, you shared about your mother. You shared about dishonor. You shared with us this morning about that. I got a problem with my boss right now. I got a problem with my employees right now. And I've showed dishonor. Or maybe it's even with the other brothers and sisters. Or maybe it's with siblings, whatever. I really don't know how. And I'm really not as concerned of where it came in. But what are we going to do today? Are we going to take that and continue in it? Are we going to release it to the cross and bring up the banner of the cross of Jesus, bring up the spirit of humility, and are we going to honor one another? And I'll state this here in my last statement. I've been honored in many, many camps, in many circles. Listen very carefully. But the most important one that I want to listen is with my family is in being honored. Can you all say amen? amen? But I can't expect them if I'm not doing it myself. So let's raise our hands up together and, and let's just say, Heavenly Father, forgive each of us this day for any dishonor towards our government, towards leaders, for any sly remarks, any cunning remarks, any name-calling, Forgive us today. Anything towards our employers, employees, forgive us. Anything in our relationships, as families, in the body of Christ, one towards another, forgive us today. And God, as we leave the room, in a few moments, may we go out of here as honorable men, as honorable women, that together we can see and release your glory in the earth. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...
Amen. Kindly take your elements, if you will. And while we're doing so, I want to do a tribute to the moms today. A tribute is a testimonial, a compliment, a recognition, a commendation. This is for all the mothers who didn't make the mother of the year in 2016. Wave at me. But all the runners up. This is for all the mothers who freeze their butts off on a metal bleacher at times instead of watching from cars. Many of us have stayed in, but there's times we've been out there so that their kids ask, Dad, Mom, did you see my goal? And they can say, of course, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. This is for every mother who sat up all night with a sick toddler in her arms, wiping that child at both ends while saying, it's okay, honey, Mommy is here. This is for all the mothers of the victims of abuse and bullying and violence of our nation, school shootings and mothers even of those that had the children that did it. It's for the mother of the survivors and the mothers who sat in front of their TVs and horrors, hugging their child when they just came home from school safely. It's for all the mothers of the Chabot girls of the 82 that were free, but yet many are struggling as prisoners in their minds from the abuse and the things that went on for the last three years. But also, what about the ones that are still in captivity? And they saw them free, and they're here this Mother's Day without their child. How horrific that would be, but what's more horrific is how the world stood in silence and never really rose up. Yeah, we saw a few pleas from here and a few pleas for there, but they've pretty much been forgotten. How sad, how sad that is. Do we have empathy for those moms today that their very siblings were taken right from them? The bullying that goes on in our school Remember a few years, quite a few years back, one of our grandchildren, I found out that was bullied and I just wanted to go and set the whole world straight and just set everybody straight just on the whole thing. But are we there for them? Are we there for the abused? Are we there for the victims? It's for the mothers who run carpools and actually become more of a taxi service uh, than actually moms. And it's for those that, the good mothers, what makes them anyway? Is it patience? Is it Compassion is it the ability to nurse? Is it the ability to cook? Is it the ability to sew a button on? Or is it maybe the heart that it aches and it feels you watch your child disappear down the street walking alone to school for the first time? Is it the need to flee whenever you are and hug your child when you hear the news of a problem that had gone on or of a child that had just taken their life? I think so. This is more about what mothers are who sat down with their children and explained what it means to make babies or maybe those that never did. It's for all the moms who read the, the bedtime stories and then they hear the tormenting words, can you read it again? Can you tell me it again? It's for all the moms who had their children taken from them or had to give up this season of their life so that they can get healthy, so that they can get whole, so that they can be the moms for the rest of their lives. Eric, I just rejoice with the mom today that just been one year clean completely, came to me afterwards, and then we just say, zap that sucker. That's all the enemies and chains and bondages that are under their feet. It's for the ones now they can have the children the rest of their life. It's for all the mothers that maybe have messed up and who've yelled at the kids in the grocery store and despair and stomped their feet like tired three-year-olds 
who want ice cream from dinner so many times in the frustration. It's for all the mothers who taught their children to tie their shoelaces before they even started school. But man, when Velcro came out, they got those ones now that's easy to get on and off. It's for all the moms who lock themselves up in the bed in their bathrooms when the babies keep crying and won't stop. It's for all the mothers who show up at work with spit in their hair and milk stains on their blouses and diapers in their purses, wishing they didn't have to go to work and wishing they could be there with their kids 24-7, but they can't, but helping their husbands to make ends meet. It's for all the mothers whose heads turn automatically when a little boy says, Mom, in a crowd, even though they know their offspring went with them. It's for all the mothers who have put flowers and teddy bears on their children's grave. Even our little Margaret today that's been with me for 34 years. Her little son Jeffrey. To them it'll always be a little son passed on. It's for the mothers who took those babies and gave them homes. This is for all the moms who had no children of their own but poured love compassion into a child, a niece, a nephew, a neighbor, a student, a child, and gave them tender care and compassion. For all you moms, we just say hang in there. The world would be a terrible place without you. We need you. We love you. And we honor you this Mother's Day. And the last thing that I want to say on this here is this is for the moms who have not quit when the going got tough, persevered with everything in spite of them, okay, of their personal pain and difficulties. You hung in there when the world was falling apart. You are the champions today. You're the winners of this year race. You're an incredible encouragement to each one of us here today. To the woman's mom today at WCF, we say we're proud of you. All those that are watching by live stream, we honor you. We believe in you. And our lives are better because of you. They're strengthened today and encouraged because of you. And we say, be blessed. We say, be refreshed. And we say, Mom, get some rest today. We say to all the dads that are here, pick up some slack today and help them out. Make it the best day ever. For those that maybe haven't seen your kids and you're hoping for that call to come in, we just want you to know you're God's kids above all, and we honor you today. Father, as we take the bread in our hands, we release every good thing in us of appreciation for our moms today and for those that have taken that place of moms in our life. Father, as we have the cup in our hands, we're reminded of the grace of God that's rich upon our lives. So, Father, as we leave here today, we've learned the truth of the value and importance of honor. May it be in every sphere of our relationships one with another. May we lift our heads up high as honorable men, as honorable women, as honorable teenagers today that first and foremost honor our King and honor our Lord in every sphere of our lives that together we can see His glory. Have the most amazing day of your life. God bless you. Have the best day of your life.